Hey everybody, what up? It's Flip, Flip Schultz. Welcome to What's for Dinner. And what's for dinner today? Well, we have a scrumptious menu. I don't know what I'm talking about. There's no food involved in this podcast. Just uh, some silly, serious, self-indulgent fun. Uh, this episode, 162, it's another mobile one. The last episode was Allison and I driving back from Vegas in the car. Uh, this one is me by myself. I'm driving to uh, Tucson, where I just performed at Laughs Comedy Cafe in Tucson. I had a great week. Thanks again to everybody at Laughs. And uh, I was just driving there, had my podcast stuff with me. I'm like, you know what? Let me just uh, let me just ramble on by myself because it was a seven-hour drive, so we needed a little time. Get off there. Sorry. The cat's just running around the uh, recording studio. So, um, yeah, and this one it was, it was a lot of by myself stuff. Talked a little about uh, career and uh, talked about what I was seeing when I was driving. Beautiful country out there. It's, again, one of these little lonely self-indulgent podcasts. Um, but I always, I think it's fun just kind of talking your own thoughts out. So there you go. And hey, if you guys want to see me live, anybody around the California area, tomorrow, July 22nd, I'm going to be headlining at the Brea Improv. Allison's going to be there with me, along with Tom and Dex Carvey, uh, very funny up-and-coming kids, and you might recognize the last name. Uh, Friday, this Friday, I will be, uh, actually, Skippy Green will be doing a spot at the Clown House in downtown L.A., and then next weekend, the 31st and 1st, that's July 31st, August 1st, I'll be headlining the U Room down at Flappers in Burbank. A lot of great, a lot of great, a lot of great fun shows happening. You can see it all at flipisfunny.com. All right, I'm rambling. I'm done. I'm going to turn it over to the podcast. So sit back, enjoy episode 162 of What's for Dinner with me, driving to Tucson. Bye. What's for dinner? What's for dinner? What, what's for dinner? Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. Happiness is a warm gun. Yes, it is, Mama. Oh, yeah. That was weird. Hey, guys. Welcome to What's for Dinner. Another mobile edition. What? That's right. I am uh, currently driving to Tucson, Arizona. Oh, yeah. Tucson, Arizona, because I know where the fucking party is. Now, I'm working out there this weekend at Laughs Comedy Club, and um, it's too late for you to see me there, because this is uh, being uploaded and listened to long after I've done this gig, probably. But I have my podcast equipment with me. It's a seven-hour drive from Los Angeles, where I live, so I figured, screw it, let me just do a uh, another mobile podcast. It sucks that I'm doing this drive alone. Uh, usually on trips like this, Allison would be with me for, you know, work, you know, either doing the show with me or coming with me for company and doing a guest spot or whatever. But Allison and I, um, we've been traveling for the past two weeks and we just, uh, she needed a break from traveling and our cats needed to have somebody home. Yeah, we're cat people. So she's staying home with them. And I was trying to get somebody, another comic to take a ride with me and, you know, in exchange for the uh, company, they would be able to do a guest spot, but sadly, uh, couldn't find anyone to go. So here I am, and it's not like I haven't done these drives before. Back when I lived in Florida, wait a minute, there it is. Excuse me. Back when I lived in Florida, 
man, I used to drive like eight and a half hours to Atlanta from Fort Lauderdale to uh, work for the punchline up there. So it's not like I've never done long drives. Just haven't done one of these long drives by myself in a while. But now I have a podcast thing, so at least I could talk into a microphone, record my thoughts, and say I'm doing this for podcasts, as opposed to just talking to myself and feeling like I'm crazy. Sometimes long drives are good, though. You know, get to clear your head, listen, you know. Like I said, talk to talk out loud about my thoughts, see what's on my mind. Sometimes, sometimes good jokes come from just driving along. All right, first of all, I'm driving behind this guy in the fast lane, and he is going... He's slowing everybody down, and I want to go around him, but the traffic to my right uh, are not going any faster. So this dick is just slowing the shit down. Are you? Oh, you moving to the next lane? Are you doing it, buddy? Nope. Just gonna swerve a little and fucking blue car me, blue lane me. Yeah. So driving through um, just pretty much the left, the greater Los Angeles area, and I'm uh, in desert area now. So what's been going on? What's been going on? That's the question on everyone's mind. Flip, what the fuck is going on with you? Well, first of all, big congratulations to my brother. My brother, Darren, um, just married his uh, girlfriend, now wife, Jenny. So welcome, Jenny, to the family. That's why uh, Allison and I were in Florida this past week for the wedding. It's so nice. My brother... um, he, uh, he had been married before, and from that marriage uh, came my beautiful little niece, who I talk about in my act. But um, obviously that girl was not right for Darren, but I, I, I know he finally found it. It feels good. It feels good when siblings, when your family is happy, you know. Because um, when my brother first got married, I was single. And as happy as I was for him that, you know, he found somebody that at the time, you know, seemed like they were uh, in love and everything as happy as I was for him there was of course a little pang of jealousy and even uh, I don't know what you call it like self-pity like, oh, my, my younger brother's getting married and I'm still single I don't have a girlfriend so um, it, it, you know I, I hated I hated feeling that way too not a big feeling of it mind you but it, it, it was that feeling there you know and then, um, then I met Allison, and for a very brief second, Allison and I were dating while Darren and his ex-wife were still together, and it was cool. And then soon after Allison and I started dating, like a year or so, um, they broke up, my brother and his ex. So then, you know, I was starting to get deep into a relationship and got married, and my brother was single, and that hurt because I'm like, oh, you know, I, I want... Darren, my brother, to feel this hap- this kind of happiness as well, and in the you know in that meanwhile he had dated somebody for a minute, and that we everybody thought was going to get more serious, and it didn't, and it was a, another bad breakup. And I'm thinking, oh god, this I really want my brother to be happy. I just want him to be happy and to have somebody. And then he meets Jenny, and almost immediately he knew and we knew that she was just wonderful and giving and loving, and perfect for him, and exactly what he needed but more so what he deserved and um so it just feels so wonderful to now my brother and i are both happily married to wonderful women and he made that point he said you know this is the first time that you and i are actually married at the same time 
So it's really, really cool. And our wives get along, which is very important, I think. Oh, great. Now all the truckers can come to a stop st uh, standstill because a fucking truck is going to slow down and fuck everybody up. Oh, shit. God damn it. There are some crazy fucking drivers on this road. Jesus Christ. I swear to God, there was almost a fucking accident. I... <sighs> you know, I understand people are in a hurry, but what the fuck? You're this, uh, I just saw this guy. I wish I could get his license plate and f so you guys could just find him and tell him what a dick he is. He's literally, uh, he had to be going at least 80 miles an hour while the traffic slowed to about nah, 40 for a second and just swerving, just barely missing cars and just, excuse me, this is my fucking highway. Get out of my way. I, I honestly thought he was going to hit somebody. I, am I an old man now talking like that? I never drove like that, even when I was a kid, even when I was in my 20s, I was a careful driver. I got into a bad accident when I was about 19, totaled brand new car, well not brand new, new to me, it was a, oh, so beautiful, it was an 85 Camaro, my parents got it for me like soon after I graduated high school, and I totaled it after three weeks. That might have put some kind of, you know, thing in my head about being a very cautious driver, but what's wrong with being a cautious driver? There's nothing wrong with being a cautious driver. Yes, I know, I, by the way, I know I sound like a hypocrite because I'm recording a podcast while I do this, but it's not like I'm not watching the road. I'm literally driving and holding a microphone. So, and I even have my hands at 10 and 2 o'clock, right? I do, because I have a little mic stand. So I'm a cautious driver. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, oh, I fucking love to go fast, man. I love to go fast. Well, you... Go fast, but you more than likely you are a higher risk of getting into an accident and killing somebody or yourself and fucking up your whole life. So good luck with that. Ah, my old I'm 40. That's not an old man. Allison makes fun of me all the time because I have old man qualities, or uh, what's not qualities? Uh, uh, qualities? Tendencies? Whatever. Some things about me may be a little more mature. What's wrong with that? Nothing wrong with that. I'm still a kid at heart. I can still be goofy. I can still be silly. You know, I don't take everything so seriously, but certain things, yeah. You know what? Fuck it. If I'm, if I'm an old man because I drive cautiously and I, uh, I go to sleep at 9.30 at night and I love watching Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy and I wake up at 6.30 and I read the paper and then I take a nap at 11. No, I'm kidding. I don't do any of that. But I do drive cautiously. Yeah, my parents, they watch Wheel of Fortune. We watch the news and Wheel and Jeopardy. When I get into that and I like it, then I'm older. Then I'm old. Until then, I'm middle-aged. Let's just say I'm middle-aged. So anyway, my brother's married, and that's awesome. Week before that... This is what's cool. I was in Vegas. I was working at the Improv in Vegas. And uh, the last uh, one of the last podcasts, the last mobile one we did, Alice and I were driving back from Vegas. And um, I know we talked about it on that podcast, but I got to just reiterate, man, what a cool fucking week. First of all, the fact that uh, I'm working in Vegas is just great. Because the comedy uh, world in Vegas is not what it used to be. From what I hear, a lot of the regular clubs have closed. I think there's only maybe four or five, maybe five 
full-time like comedy clubs. There's the Improv, Brad Garrett's Comedy Club, The Laugh Factory. Um, I thought there was one more. I can't remember. So there you go. Three that I can think of. I think there's four, maybe five. Full-time rooms. 52 weeks a year. That's uh, 52 uh, headliners by, let's just say, four. So that's 200 comics a year get to headline in Vegas. And some of those weeks repeat headliners. So um, we'll, we'll say 200 just to, be, just to have an arbitrary number. So about 200 comics a year get to headline in Vegas. 200 out of the thousands of working comics in this country, and I'm one of them. So for that fact, I'm very honored. Secondly, the fact that I get to headline in Vegas is fucking insane. I'm a Vegas headliner. That's so fucking awesome. Thirdly, my whole family, my parents, my brother, his wife, her parents, and her sister and husband, and Allison, came out that week. They all flew out from Florida, with the exception of Allison, to see that, which was so great having them there and getting to see me perform at the Improv. It, it, was a, it wasn't a great show. There were some great shows. They saw me do a really good show because the crowd was not as packed as they had been the rest of the week, and um, it was a good show, good reaction. Not great, not terrific, but pretty good. But the really cool thing um, is the very first time I ever saw live comedy. It was summer of 1990, was in, and it was in Las Vegas at the Improv. Not where the Improv is now. The Improv is at Harris Casino. It used to be at the Riviera. And I went there in 1990 because I, you know, for those of you who know me, and I assume you do because you're listening to this, so you know a lot about me and my history. I've been wanting to be, I wanted to be a stand-up comedian since I was eight. Let me rephrase that. Eight years old was the first time I did stand-up comedy. So I wanted to be a comedian probably since I was five or six. And um, first time I saw it live was in 1990 at the Improv in the Riviera. It was Deborah Swisher was hosting, Jeff Stilson was middling, and Bob Zaney was headlining. And there's a picture on my website of me on stage at the Improv and a picture of me and Bob Zaney when I was 16. And that was the first time I ever saw it. And then now 25 years later, I'm headlining, not at the exact same club, but at the same uh, comedy club umbrella, the Improv. Not the Improv at the Riviera, but the Improv at Harrah's in Vegas. I am now headlining that room 25 years later. And my parents, who were with me when, I, when we saw that show in 90, were there to see me headline a full week for the first time with my brother and everybody. And it was just um, fucking amazing. And you walk around the, the casino in the lobby, and there were posters for upcoming, com- uh, upcoming comedians for the improv. And I got lucky because what they do is um, every month they'll put up a new poster and they'll have the comics picture and name and the dates that they're performing. And on my poster there were five comics, um, I guess because even though there were four weeks in July, mine was a spillover from June, whatever. So there were five comics. But because I was the first of the cycle to start this new month, my picture and name were the biggest on the poster. So all over the casino, you see, you know, my picture and my name. And I got picture, you know, I took my picture by it. And my and just my parents walk in and see that. And they were just like, 
Oh my God. And then in Las Vegas Magazine, big full page ad for the improv. And there's my picture and my name. And it was just unfucking believable, man, you know? And I've been, I've been really having these moments lately where I think to myself, you know, most people get into this business, they want to shoot for the fucking stars. They want a TV show. They want to sell out theaters. They want to be a movie star. They want to have millions and dollars and mansions and this and that. And of course, I went into that too. You know, I went into it shooting for the stars. And I'm not done. Mind you, this isn't my way of saying, you know, I'm, I'm just going to stop now. I'm not stopping anything. But I'm 40. And 40 is one of those ages where you take stock of your life. And yeah, I don't, you know, I don't have my own TV show yet. I'm not appearing in big movies yet. I don't have a huge mansion or huge house yet. I don't have millions of dollars yet. But right now, I'm a successful, working, respected comic with money in the bank. And I'm able to support myself and my wife. We just moved into a house, a really nice house. We didn't buy it because buying in L.A. is impossible unless you're loaded. Um, but I'm renting it. And it's a pretty nice, you know, pretty substantial money that I'm paying a month, but I'm able to afford it, you know, and I, yeah, I'm headlining Vegas and I'm, I'm doing exactly what I've always wanted to do with my life. And fuck me, that's, it's goddamn success in my book. I feel good, you know, it's a good time. The next step is to start a family and it's scary as all hell to me, but so is moving to LA and so is getting married and it's work but it it's working you know they call it work because hopefully it works out and it ends up working so scared as I am to have a kid and to be a father scared because I don't know what kind of father I'm going to be but nobody knows I guess it's also exciting to think about. By the way, when I say I want to start a family, talking a couple of years from now. That's another thing. It's like I'm 40, so which means I'm not going to be a father till I'm in my early 40s, which means my kid's not going to graduate high school until I'm 60 or so, which means my kid's probably not going to get married, and I'm not going to be a grandfather till I'm in my 70s or so. That scares me a little bit. That's where I worry the kind of... Uh, shouldn't say worry, as Allison would say. Don't say worry! That's what um, I think about sometimes is... You know... Am I going to have that energy to play with my kid? Because we were baby... We were not even babysitting. We were just hanging out with my niece, Lily. And she's almost six. And it's like she's got cocaine in her blood. She's just running around... <laughs> The thing about being an uncle is you could play with her for a couple hours and then just leave her. When you're a parent, there's no stopping it. And my brother, you know, lives very close to my parents, so he could at least take her over to Nana and Papa's and leave him, leave her with them for a little while to get just have a little break. We got nobody out here. But I digress. It's going to be hard work, but I'm excited about it. I'm excited about life now, you know? I do want to... I, I, I do want to still get a fire under my ass to get back into more acting stuff, you know? That's... God. 
as much as I love doing stand-up, and I'll never stop doing stand-up, and as comfortable and 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 uh, at home as I feel when I'm on stage doing stand-up, when I'm on a set making a movie or doing a you know a sitcom, fuck, that's where I really feel comfortable. That's where I feel creative and 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 uh, and feel like I'm part of a of something bigger than myself because there are so many people working on it and so many people to in so that's the thing when I'm when I'm on stage I, I like talking to the audience because I love interaction I love working off people and you know most of the time though I'm doing my own jokes and it's just me up there when I'm you know when I'm doing a film and I, or a show and I'm in a scene and I'm working off other people's energy man that's where that fire is that's where that that excitement is and I'm putting it out there, man, that I will be on a sitcom. Might not be my own, and I don't care about that. But I, I would love to be the wacky neighbor or the dad. I know my, I, I know what I am now. I'm the dad on a Nickelodeon sitcom. And you know what? Fuck it. I'll take it, man. I will take it gladly. It's exciting. Ugh. So anyway, Vegas was great. Vegas was a lot of fun. And I'm sure Tucson is going to be fun, too. We were here one time before. I had a great time. Really good time. Actually, one of my clips on... Um, if you go to my website, there's a one of the fun with the audience video clips. God, I wish I could remember the name of it. But I was fucking with this one guy, and it was a really great moment with the, with the crowd. And uh, it, it, was, uh, it, it was a lot of fun. It worked out really, really well. I don't know. Go to the website. It was sometime around... Probably one of the last videos posted in 2013. So if you look for that, um, that's the uh, the clip from this club. So I'm excited to go back. I am. And it's a quick weekend gig, you know. And I'm sure I'll make uh, good money on the merch. So far, before I even left L.A., I spent 150 bucks on this trip with gas. Yeah, gas was 50 bucks. 4.10 a gallon. Thank you. Um... And uh, how to get Allison, get her an oil change and some shit with her car. So it already cost me 150 bucks, But I'm sh- I'm, I know I'm going to make that in merch. So that'll be, uh, it'll be a nice little compensation, reimbursement, I should say. And uh, I don't know, what else? I'd say, what do you guys want to talk about? But you're listening, you're not here. It's fun going back to Florida, too. I've seen a lot of my old stomping ground. I remember when I first moved to Florida from L.A. back in 2001. We had this big going away party at my parents' house where a lot of my friends and family showed up. And I remember... uh, Okay. I remember my dad and I, we had a moment to ourselves up uh, just outside. Just me and my dad. And uh, we both started crying. Because I was, not only was I moving, you know, leaving my parents' house, leaving the nest, but I was moving across the fucking country, you know? Could not get any further away from South Florida than Los Angeles, really. Or I guess maybe Oregon. You know what I mean. From one side of the country to the other. And I'd never done that, you know? I'd left... I had uh, been away from home. I guess I'd, I'd done, I've done like a week at summer camp... When I was a kid and, you know, got on the road for a couple of weeks. 
Um, even in the summer of 96 and 97, for about a month and a half or so, I lived in Texas doing theater, Galveston Island, Texas. And that was, that was a growing experience. But I always came back home. I was, you know, my parents' house was my home. So when I was finally moving, my, it, it just really hit, you know, hit hard for me and my dad. So we had a great moment. And then um, moved out to L.A., you know, got settled in. It was exciting and everything. And then I came back to Florida a couple of months later to work or something. And it was like, oh, yeah, oh, this is great. And it, it kind of it, it felt like I was coming home. It felt like, you know, like, oh, I'd been away from home for so long. Yay, I'm back home. And I saw my friends and parents and family. And I think I was down there for a week or so. But then I, it suddenly hit me. I'm like, wait, I don't live here anymore. I'm not coming here to stay. I'm here to visit. And I'm flying back to where I live now. And that hit me. You know what? It, I would say it hit me hard, but as hard as it hit me, it became very comfortable almost immediately where I was like, oh my God, I don't live here anymore. I'm visiting here, but I live in LA. Okay, so I, I come to visit, but my home is LA. And it was like this kind of like soothing feeling. I needed to come home once to feel that and then to leave again, to understand what my life is going to be like now. And You know, now it, it is like that. It is like, yeah, I'm coming to Florida to visit, living out in California. And great thing is because Allison lives uh, or is from basically 20 minutes from where I'm from, maybe half hour if you want to get technical. We go home to visit family in one trip. She's, you know, we see her mom, we see my family, and we're done. Because I know a lot of people who are married, you know, let's say one person's from Florida, the other's from, you know, upstate New York. So it's two trips a year to visit the family, at least two trips, you know. So that worked out perfectly with me and Allie. I'll tell you, we got a nice marriage, man. It's not perfect. I don't think any marriage is perfect. No marriage. I can guarantee it. No marriage is perfect. But I'd say on a scale of 1 to 10, ours is about a 7.5. 7, 7.5. You know? There are times that we fucking hate each other. We want to kill each other. You know? This morning, as a matter of fact, there was um, a little bit of tension... Um, because uh, it doesn't matter what but there was you know there was some tension things got heated for a minute you know and I almost left I almost left to drive the seven hours be away for the weekend leaving on a very tense feeling of like a fuck you fuck you uh. and then I went back inside and we talked it out and we were you know she said what she, you know what she was feeling and I kind of I listened to her and I said okay well this is what I was feeling and then she listened to me and I said, look, I'm sorry if, you know, if I came off like this, I'm sorry if I acted like this. And she said, I'm sorry, too. And I said, this is why our marriage works, because we don't just yell and leave. We figure it out. We talk it out. You know, we we accept responsibilities and apologies. And that's what makes it work. It's a good marriage, you know. If you've listened to the show, you know, sometimes things get a little even snippy on the show. But it, um, it always goes back to love. 
always goes back to love. This has not been a very funny podcast, has it? It's hard to be funny when I'm by myself. Let me try to think of something funny. Let me look around, see if there's something funny. Not really. Construction. <laughs> What's the deal with construction, huh? What's the deal? Oh, here's a big billboard for somebody who's playing at the 29 Casino. It's the Marshall Tucker Band. No shit, Marshall. T I have no who the fuck is Marshall Tucker, or who the tuck is Marshall fucker. And the new edition with Bobby Brown. Can't tell. Probably. Or else it would be kind of the older edition. Uh, Bobby Brown. I feel bad for that dude, man. Of his daughter. I don't know when you're going to hear this, but as of the, as of now when I'm recording this, his daughter is on life support and she could go any minute. I mean, that's eerie. That is eerie. That's sad, man. So young and just... I can't... That's another thing. Like, I think about... You know, again going back to being a comic and you, you, you're uh, striving for fame you know you want you want this huge success you want um, what's the word uh, uh, you, you, you want to be comfortable for the rest of your life by making a lot of money and not having to worry about money and fame comes with that and yeah I'm not gonna lie there's an ego part to this too for me anyway where yeah I like the recognition I like the you know I, I think about fame I think about that but lately I've been thinking, I've, I've been really taking a look at what fame is, how intrusive fame could be. You know, you're, yes, you're getting recognition and all of this, you know, all of these accolades. Sometimes you get, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, admiration, but at the expense of privacy, at the expense of your personal life can be fodder for the media, especially the tabloid media. You know, and you could be loved one second and hated the other. Looking at you, Bill Cosby, which is a whole God, fucking Bill Cosby. I'll get back to that in a second. But you really think about that, you know. I mean, I was watching uh, the ESPYS last night, and I, Caitlyn Jenner went up and, you know, gave a beautiful speech. It was a wonderful tribute, and you, you know, you 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 hear her struggle and what she'd been you know fighting with her whole life not able to be yourself and then when you finally have the strength and courage to do it the entire world is watching you do this very personal process I mean that is what fame is and I think about that and do I want that kind of fame no god no you know I'd like if I'm, if I'm being honest I'd like to be a little more recognized I'd like to be a little more uh, recognized I mean just a, my career to be a little you know to more uh, stronger bigger higher you know to have recognition for something that I do but not to the point where people go oh there's Flip Schultz that's cool that's cool I don't really care what he's I don't I don't you know, the media's like, I don't care what's going on in his personal life. But, oh, there he is. Let's, TMZ, let's ask him a question. Blah, 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 blah. So, um, yeah, but, and I, you know, and I, I've been reading a lot about people complaining about Caitlyn Jenner. Oh, she doesn't deserve the Arthur Ashby world. There was a, there was a meme going around with uh, Caitlyn Jenner and a, uh, a uh, military vet who's a double amputee. 
and basically saying, so you're saying uh, a double amputee doesn't have courage or doesn't deserve in the world for courage, but a man who trades his balls for boobs does. And Look, number one, it's an arbitrary award. Courage is in the eye of the beholder, I think. But secondly, and this is no disrespect to anybody who, um, any kind of uh, military vet, uh, nobody. I'm not. Comp- you can't compare those two things. But I think the world at large is very sympathetic and um, underst- understanding of the travesty of war. You know. You see a double amputee vet. You go, my God, the 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 sacrifice that that person made in the name of you know our country or whatever that's insane and i i respect that and i salute that and you know i i understand that uh they are you know a a a very strong brave person to put themselves on the line like that it's like you you understand the atrocity of war when you see that when you see somebody who's transgender a lot of people don't understand that they think they're a freak they think they're a sinner they think they're uh you know uh, mentally ill they think they're crazy the transgender movement does not have that same kind of sympathetic sometimes empathetic feeling around it that it does towards military vets so I think for somebody like Bruce Jenner, who was, you know, the peak of athleticism, the man's man in the 70s, he was, you know, he won the decathlon, you know, the decathlon, and he was literally the most athletic man in the world. For someone like that to come out as not only being transgender, but going through the process of becoming a woman, I think is very courageous, especially in a world now that is just starting to have an understanding and an acceptance of transgender people. And I'm speaking only because I live in a very progressive liberal town and I come from a progressive liberal family that was never discriminatory against anybody. So I'm not saying Caitlyn Jenner deserves a courage award above a military vet who's a double amputee I'm just saying that Caitlin's fight is one that that at this point needs to have a more of a platform to become accepted the way that the veterans are accepted and respected in our society I hope you understand what I'm trying to say there that's just my opinion my two cents as far as Bill Cosby goes, God, that is a fucking shame, man. Bill Cosby, I was no, uh, excuse me. There were a lot of comedians who see Bill Cosby as their idol, as their hero. I was never like that about Bill about Bill Cosby. You know, I knew friends who had his comedy special Bill Cosby himself memorized and the Noah's Ark and this and that and I had seen clips of it and I laughed but he didn't affect me the way say Robin Williams or Steve Martin or Weird Al did you know those were my influences 
but I respected Cosby as a comedian, and I respected the uh, the uh, walls he broke down as far as you know African Americans on television. I mean, uh, was it Man from Uncle? Um, or I'm sorry, I Spy. It was him and um, ah, oh, what the hell was his name? Robert. Robert, I want to say Polk, Kulk. Ah, fuck, forgot his name. It'll come to me later. Um, but I think he was the first African-American man to be a lead on a TV show, you know? And that's amazing. And then the Cosby show, it, it was the quintessential sitcom of the 80s. And it showed, you know, it showed that, uh, you know, a black family doesn't have to be like good times, you know? Like middle, you know, middle class and blah 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 they could be doctors and lawyers and it was great and it inspired a generation of african-american uh you know people and comedians and you know it was the anchor became nbc's must-see tv you know so again i always respected and enjoyed bill cosby and then these allegations came out and fuck man you know people are like oh it's not true and then more women came out and you know over 40 women and at one point you're thinking okay that's a lot of women and if just one of them is telling the truth that makes him a rapist that makes him you know a predator and then recently the court documents from the uh from his case i think back in the 90s or the early whenever it was where he settled and he admitted he got quaaludes and he used them with the intention of uh giving them to women for sex and pff, holy shit, Bill Cosby's a predator. Bill Cosby. It's like finding out, you know, Gandhi was a cannibal. It just it throws a wrench into everything that people th- think of a person, you know. And and I, pff, I would say I feel sorry for the guy, but you can't. I mean, how can you? The the man knew what he was doing multiple times. It's not like, you know, he's like, well, at one time I, you know, was drinking and I was on a quaalude and I put the quaalude in the drink and I thought I'd have the little fun with the lady. No, he did it multiple times. And, you know, maybe the statute of limitations has, you know, has run out as far as prosecuting him, but his career is not going to bounce back for this. I mean, he's already in his 70s. He's going to... It's like, um, what's his name? Um, Joe Paterno, you know, with the child molestation. There, he, he had a great legacy till the very end, and he's dead, and he's going to be remembered maybe as a you know, great coach, but also as somebody who turned a blind eye to molestation, child molestation. Bill Cosby, too. Yeah, they're going to say Bill Cosby was a great comedian, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of his life, it revealed he was a predator. You know, I mean, I've done some shit in my life that I'm not proud of, but I've never done it. There, there isn't anything in my life that could, at this point, <laughs> that could ever come back to haunt me. I really don't think so. You know? I'm, I'm, I'm literally going through my head right now. And again, I've done some shit. You know, I've, you know, I've done some drugs in my youth. You know, I've... Um, God, I can't even think of anything <laughs> beyond just doing some drugs when I was a kid that can be construed as something awful and that's not even that awful because it's not like I did you know lines of coke and then robbed a bank or anything I've never done anything like that. never done coke Ugh. 
never had the desire to do coke. There's actually a very uh, well-known comedian that tried to get me to do coke with him a couple times, and I didn't even hesitate. Didn't even go, well, I was like, nope, no thank you. Don't want to do it. Thank you, but no. I was polite about it. I was polite turning on. Thank you for the uh, for the offer to do coke, but I'm I'm going to decline. Thank you, though. Thank you very much for offering me cocaine. That's very nice of you. Um, but Bill Cosby, man. It's sad that the Cosby's going to be somebody who doesn't be remembered for anything good. Not sure if you can hear the car, but it is fucking trying to get up this hill. Just gotta get some momentum, but I was behind a truck that was going trucking slow. See, right now, it's the congestion. Because one lane, there's a semi, another lane, there's an RV, and both of them are going rather slowly. I'm actually gonna get out of the lane behind the semi and take my chances with the RV. Um... Somebody's license plate above in front of me says "meow it." Meow it. Either they're saying either they're a cat lover, or they do uh, it work with cats. Meow. We're meow it. Does your cat like to go on the computer? Well, we can make it happen. All right. Well, I've got another 350 miles. Hold on. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, here's another. Excuse me. Those are loud. I'm aware of that. I sneeze like my father. My dad sneezes so fucking loud. And I always, whenever he sneezes, I go, Jesus. Jesus with the sneezes. And then recently I realized, oh my God, I sneeze that loud too. Trust me, if, uh, if there was somebody else in the car, I would have probably covered my mouth. So it wouldn't have been that loud. But it's just you. And I'll move the microphone away from my face. Uh, so, how long we've we been talking now? Oh, about forty minutes. That's a that's a nice length for a for a show, don't you think? If you're even still listening by now, I don't know if you are. This could just be for me. I'm trying to think if there's anything else on my mind that I want to discuss, that I want to talk about. Um. Yeah, hope you guys are happy. Hope you guys are happy. I am. Well, I think I'm going to call this one done. So I want to uh, listen to some music now, and I don't think you guys want to hear me sing, because I think I started this singing a little bit of Happiness is a Warm Gun, because I was listening to some details. So I'm going to put this... uh, put this podcast to bed and um, listen to some more music because I got another four hours and 48 minutes to drive so thank you guys for listening as always uh, check me out flipisfunny.com at Flip Schultz on Twitter Facebook slash Flip Schultz Instagram Um, I periscope I've been periscoping here and there um, if you do, if you are a fan of Periscope, follow me at Flip Schultz, and also follow um, at Blackout um, or Blackout Box. I can't remember which one it is, but one of my uh, really good friends, Michael Biggins, is, does a lot of Periscopes. Go to uh, if you go to Blackout.com. That's his website, and I'm pretty sure it's at Blackout 
on Periscope or at Blackouts Box. So check that out. And uh, I will talk to you guys next week or maybe the week after. Lately, I've been doing a podcast every other week. So keep a lookout. Oh, yeah, what's for dinner podcast.com and at WFD Pod. Cast WFD podcast on Twitter. All right, guys. I'll talk to you later. Bye bye. What's for dinner? What's for dinner? What what's for dinner? Talking talking about what's ever on their minds. Talking talking about what's ever on their minds. Talking talking about what's ever on their minds.